Hi friends, I'm Sandra Peoples and today we are talking about supporting students with invisible disabilities. These are often the kids in our regular Kidmen classrooms and activities who need a little extra help to be successful. Key Ministries founder and president, Steve Gersovich, is of course the expert in this area. And in the information I'm sharing today, I'm relying on what I have learned from him in presentations and in his book, Mental Health in the Church, a ministry handbook for including children and adults with ADHD, anxiety, mood disorders, and other common mental health conditions. You can find that on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Before we jump into the content, uh, I want to make sure you know about the early bird ticket price for Disability and the Church, our upcoming conference. If you register by February 29th to join us May 1st through 3rd in Orlando for the Disability and the Church conference, you will get the lowest ticket price available. So visit keyministry.org slash DATC2024 for all the details. Okay, let's jump into our topic today. First, what are invisible disabilities? Uh, it's a term that we use either invisible disabilities or even hidden disabilities to include emotional, behavioral, and developmental disorders or diagnosis with no apparent physical symptoms or characteristics. Okay, so that can include students with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, anxiety disorders, autism spectrum disorder, level one. Now, technically, all levels of autism are an invisible disability, but normally when we're talking about invisible disabilities in this context, we're talking about level one, what we used to call Asperger's. It includes other mental health conditions like obsessive compulsive disorder. It could include learning disabilities like dyslexia, uh, oppositional defiant disorder, PDD-NOS, which is pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified, which also now falls under the umbrella of autism level one. It includes mood disorders like uh, depression or bipolar, uh, attachment disorders like reactive attachment disorder, which is common in adopted and foster care children. It includes fetal alcohol syndrome and even brain injuries. So what do we know about the families that are affected by these invisible disabilities? First, they don't always consider their kids to have disabilities or special needs. Uh, and that's part of why they don't always look for a disability ministry or a special needs friendly church. They, they're just going to church um, with the kids with a diagnosis and hoping that the church will be able to provide support for their kids. Uh, sometimes there's a genetic component, uh, especially ADHD or anxiety. Uh, there can be a genetic component or even an environmental component too. If you have a mom with anxiety, like I am a mom with anxiety, sometimes I can pass a little bit of that on to my kids and they can develop anxiety in certain areas. Another thing that's true about families is they consistently hear more bad news than good news. Uh, it, it can be tough and discouraging to consistently hear uh, bad news from, especially from the schools that their kids attend. They can feel discouraged and isolated. It can be pretty lonely to have the kid with uh, impulse control issues that nobody wants to invite over for a play date because 
they want to throw the blocks instead of build with the blocks. So that can be pretty isolating. And then they are less likely to attend church than a typical family, and they are more likely to have had negative past experience. So all of these things can be true about families that are affected. The good news is these students can often be successful with a few changes. It's also true that serving the students well can make a huge positive change for the entire family. And the other good news, the mission field of families is ripe and ready for the hope of the gospel. Okay, so let's talk about the goal that we have for the students and the goal we have for their families when they attend church. The goal for the students is that they will have the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel in a way they understand in an environment where they feel comfortable. And then the goal for their families is that they will be included in all aspects of church life, knowing that their child is safe and loved. So uh, for children with invisible disabilities, the ways that we help them are often invisible as well. They are, like I said, in the typical children's ministry setting or even the typical youth group or next gen group. They're in that typical setting and they just need some help to come alongside them. And often that help is invisible. And we also know that when we meet the needs of kids with invisible disabilities, they can help the needs of all the kids in the classroom. Some of these things can make a huge difference in lowering anxiety for everyone or just helping everybody feel more comfortable. So as you think about these steps and how they may help a specific kid know that they could help all the kids in your ministry to feel more comfortable and supported. Okay, so we're going to talk through uh, the challenges that keep children and teens with ADHD, anxiety, and autism level one from being successful in church. And we're also going to talk about how we can help. So I'm going to talk about the challenges, talk about how we can help for all three of those diagnoses, ADHD, anxiety, and autism level one. So let's jump in. What challenges keep children and teens with ADHD from being successful at church? Uh, They struggle with self-regulation and impulse control, which can include throwing, hitting, or talking out of turn. They have sensory processing challenges. They can be overwhelmed by busy environments, or they can be underwhelmed and not be getting enough sensory input. They have executive function deficits, so that includes like following multiple directions. So if I tell my classroom of kids to pick up their blocks, sit at the table, and get out a pencil, somebody with uh, executive function deficits doesn't know which one of those three things to do first and may start doing the first one and forget what the third one was. These kids often have immature social skills. They can just lag a little behind their typical peers in what is expected and what is uh, considered typical in the as they play and interact with each other. They have verbal and nonverbal working memory deficits. And so that could be something like remembering their Bible when they leave church. That's a working memory deficit. Uh, There are less structured environments at church than what they are used to at school, and that can be challenging. It also can be challenging that some kids who are on medication for ADHD don't take the same dose over the weekends or even take the weekends off from taking their medicine. And so that certainly presents a challenge in our uh, ministry environments. 
So here are some ways we can help. We set clear expectations and we try to do that in a very positive way. We try not to say, don't, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. We try to, to do it in a very positive way. We can have structured environments. Structure just really helps decrease anxiety for kids because they know what to expect. They're not out there making decisions which could possibly lead to wrong or unhelpful decisions. And so the more structured we can make the environment, uh, the more it helps them feel comfortable. They need classrooms that are engaging, but not overwhelming. And so I think we all know the difference between walking into a sensory space that's completely overwhelming versus one that is still engaging. Um, at church, often I help in, I have a, I work in the sensory classroom, but the kiddo that we have in our sensory classroom that I'm with the most uh, goes into a playroom with the typical two and three year olds and y'all this when they're all together in the same classroom to me it is the most overwhelming environment I have ever been in that it is just chaos and so um, the classroom teachers who are in that class and we're only there for like a playtime um, and so when they're in the classroom it's much more structured and and calmer but when we're there in playtime I almost want to grab a pair of noise reducing headphones for myself as I head into the room. It's lots of fun, but it's also pretty uh, chaotic with that many two and three year olds uh, running around and getting all their energy out. Okay, the next one, the next way we can help, we can provide fidgets for the kids, especially when they are waiting their turn. We can ask the kiddo to be a helper that gives them the opportunity for movement. You know, normally if we need a helper uh, in a classroom environment, we look for the kid who is behaving the best and then we reward them by letting them come up and help. But really it's the kid who may be struggling to sit still who could really benefit from coming up and writing something on the board or handing out papers. And then the last one, they need support when transitioning from a preferred activity to a non-preferred activity. So for example, we're going to stop our free play or stop playing games and we're going to get to the table and start the academic work. They may really need support when making that transition. Okay, the next kids to talk about uh, what challenges keep children and teens with anxiety from being successful at church. Now, I can relate to this because I have some social anxiety myself. And so, uh, and I, I don't remember how I navigated that as a kid, but even now as an adult, there are ways that um, I navigate that at church. And so some of these tips help with kids, but they also help with adults. <laughs> so the challenges that they face, the first one, fear of unknown. So it's an unknown routine, an unknown environment. Even the adults are unknown and they feel that lack of control and it can give them some anxiety about what's going to happen. They can overthink things to the point of inaction, like uh, if your kids come in and it's kind of a free play situation when they first get there, so they can play board games or they can color or they can whatever different activities you have, a kid with anxiety walks into that environment and, and there's so many options, they have trouble picking what they should do because they can see the pluses and minuses of everything and then it stops them from being able to make a decision. And then another challenge is a drive for perfectionism. So I have to get this right. If they are coloring or doing some kind of arts and crafts activity, they can stay 
in that spot of I have to get it right I have to get it right and then they they can't move on to the next activity until it feels like they are completing uh, the task that is in front of them so here are some ways that we can help them we can share social stories and welcome videos on our church website so can you put a video on your children's ministry page that shows exactly what a family would do when they walked in so show them the faces that they are going to encounter the weight that they're going to have how they would check in where they would park anything that kind of takes the guesswork out of coming to the church for the first time you can also create a visual schedule for kids with anxiety so that way they know what's happening now and they know what's going to happen next. You could also use a visual timer that just kind of counts down the time. So say they get stuck in that perfectionism loop and they can't transition from the arts and crafts activity to the next activity. If you have a visual timer that you set ahead of time, they know, okay, I've got 10 minutes to get this done. And at the end of 10 minutes, I'm going to transition to something else. And so that can help decrease that anxiety or that loop that they unintentionally get in of trying to make it perfect. Perfect. And on that, we need to offer lots of positive encouragement, especially when they hit those loops. We can tell them uh, what a good job they did, how great it looks, uh, that their parents are going to love it. We can kind of help them talk through how things don't have to be perfect to be valuable or helpful. And that can be really encouraging. And then we can offer fewer choices to make decisions easier. So if you have a buddy that's helping these kids and a kiddo walks in who you know has some anxiety, instead of saying, what do you want to play with today? You could The buddy could say, hey, I'm really excited about coloring. We got some new markers. Do you want to come over here and color with me? And then uh, they can do that. And then if the kiddo wants to transition to something else, at least they have they have a moment to kind of sit and relax and that decision fatigue that adults struggle with and kids can struggle with too is decreased because the decision is made for them. Okay, so let's talk about the challenges that keep children and teens with autism level one from being successful at church. Now, this is what we used to call Asperger's. Um, and this is probably the section where we have the most uh, information and the most ways to help. Okay. So the challenges include sensory seeking or sensory avoiding tendencies. So they can be overwhelmed or underwhelmed with the sensory environment. Another challenge, social interactions can feel challenging. <laughs> they have a hard time navigating with peers, what's expected, what is supposed to happen, and what to do if it doesn't go according to plan. They can struggle with rigid behaviors or inflexibility. So say they get used to uh, the routine being the same week after week after week, and then they come to vacation Bible school. And <laughs> even though it's the same environment and even maybe some of the same kids, it is pretty different at vacation Bible school versus a regular Sunday or even Easter Sunday is different or Christmas, the Christmas season, things are different. And so they can struggle with uh, rigid behaviors and inflexibility when things are different. The next one, they can lack empathy or we've learned from adults with autism level one that sometimes it's not that they lack empathy, it is that they are overwhelmed by the emotions of others. And so we think that they can't navigate 
that they they can't relate to the struggles of others and they kind of shut down but some adults have told us no it's not it's not that it's that we are just overwhelmed by sadness or over we feel it so deeply that we can't navigate it but that can be a challenge either way Another challenge is that they prefer concrete language, (laughs) and concrete language isn't always used at church. I always think of the example, you need to ask Jesus into your heart. Well, what does that mean for a concrete thinker? What they, they're trying to visualize it. They, it's so difficult. It's even difficult for adults to explain to kids when you really think about it. And so as you're teaching these kids, try to avoid this uh, language that is ambiguous or um, that isn't concrete. Okay, two more. They have specific areas of interest, and that is what they want to talk about and dig into. And not everybody has the same interest, and not everybody wants to listen to that interest for a long time. So this is another area where a buddy can be a big help and really kind of dig into that area of interest with them. And then the last one can be some OCD-like behaviors, obsessive compulsive behaviors. Uh, My younger son has autism, and even though he is level three, so he is in a different ministry environment that better suits his needs than the typical environment. But OCD, those obsessive compulsive tendencies are one of the biggest challenges for him, and it is for kids at other levels of autism too. Okay, so here are the ways we can help. Again, clear expectations, concrete language, all of that is really helpful. A visual schedule is helpful, especially during transition times. The next one, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, provide a buddy to help them navigate social interactions, to just kind of be that bridge between them and the kids that they want to play with. Uh, We can help by having a sensory space for breaks. Now, whether that is a sensory room or whether that is a sensory corner or even some things up and down the hallway that they can do uh, to get a sensory break when they are overwhelmed. Uh, Fidgets are helpful, just something we can put in their hands that can help them actually focus better. Noise reducing headphones. We have so many noise reducing headphones available for our kids because uh, it's just such a help. Another one is comfortable seating with boundaries, especially in those preschool classrooms where you just say, come and sit in a circle. (laughs) Well, sometimes they don't know where their bodies are in space and they take up too much room or they lay down or they touch the person next to them. So if you could even have like a carpet square and you say, come sit on your carpet square, that is easier for kiddos than just this rug where they can sit anywhere. And then again, we've talked about with some of the other diagnosis, but support when transitioning from a preferred activity to a non-preferred activity is huge. And we do that with the visual schedule, the visual timer, uh, verbal reminders, hey, we're about to do this. And then you can come back to this if you want to, but that really helps the struggle with transitions. Okay, I want to just close with this. I've been reading in some special education textbooks and their focus right now is on restoring children's experiences. And so it's an interesting direction that they're going. And so it's kind of, it's, it's a focus on the barriers that can be adjusted instead of the deficits and problem behaviors. And I just think as a church, we have a real opportunity to do this well and to show even the special education system, how 
these kids have value and they have purpose and they have a design by their good father who designed them on purpose. And there are some of these things that that can cause us, uh, they feel challenging, challenging behaviors or different things happening. But God even has a purpose for that. I kind of think about, um, you can remember, like if we say a kiddo calls out, well, he, he talks out of turn, he calls out. Well, instead of phrasing it that way, could we say he's eager to share his thoughts? <laughs> and can we give him an opportunity to share his thoughts? Uh, that may be a, a good way to kind of restory these experiences and and see them and these children uh, differently as opportunities for uh, positive reinforcement and growth as we take down barriers instead of uh, the kids themselves being problems that need to be fixed. And we need to understand that every child and every family needs the opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. And that's why the work that we do to include these families is so important. Okay, friends, we got through a lot of information together today. I hope it was helpful. You can find an outline of this episode at keyministry.org slash podcast if you missed anything or if you just want to reference it in the future. Before you move on with your day, it would be super helpful if you left a rating or review in the podcast app you're using. It helps other ministry leaders find us and know that we might be a good resource for them as well. So have a great rest of your week. Know that we're praying for you as you get closer to each and every Sunday and the important work that you do in your churches. And don't forget to register for Disability and the Church this month to get the early bird ticket price. We cannot wait to see you there in person. <laughs>